Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Before Gary Collins left a bureaucratic government job to pursue a more independent existence off the grid, he had to work on downsizing and decluttering his life. The lessons he learned in ultimately achieving that aim apply to everyone, even those with no plans to leave civilization who'd like to lead a simpler life. Gary shares those lessons in his book, The Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life, and with us on the show today, he shares some of those insights as well. We begin with why it's so easy to get caught up in the consumerism-driven cult of clutter, how the clutter it generates extends far past a person's tangible stuff and the cost it exacts from our lives in both financial and psychological terms. Gary then explains how to simplify and declutter every aspect of your life, the material stuff, of course, but also the technological, informational, and even social things that end up cluttering our life. Along the way, this self-described redneck hippie offers no-nonsense advice that refreshingly departs from the kind of soft glow, artfully arranged, white background pictures of minimalism you might find on Instagram, because Gary's not on Instagram. That would be clutter, according to Gary. After the show's over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash simple life. Gary Collins, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, Brett. I appreciate it. So we had you on back in June of 2020 to talk about your book, about going off the grid, living off the grid, buying a place, drilling a well, getting your own power with solar or whatever you want to use, propane. That was episode number 622, for those who want to check that out. You got another book out, and it's all about decluttering. Yeah. And I think this ties in with the, the previous books you've written, because I imagine you had to do a lot of decluttering and simplifying before you decided to move off grid. But I'm curious, sort of your evolution of this, did the desire to simplify your life and like get rid of your stuff come first? And then you thought, well, I've already gotten rid of a lot of my stuff. Why don't I just sell my house and move out to the to the wilds? Or like, did you have the goal? Like, I want to live off the grid, so I got to sell my stuff to do that. Well, I had the goal to live rural first. Then the off-grid thing came later, but it was way before because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So I was trying to return to that. And that probably happened, oh no, gosh, five years before I left the government. So it was a way before, that's 15, 16 years ago now. So the idea was already hatched. And once I started going through this life evolution, I realized I had too much crap and I'd fallen in. We'll talk about the clutter and all that. But yeah, I, I realized that I needed to downsize and declutter everything before I made the next move in the plan. So it kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that it came after the original plan, but it was one of those reality check. You have a lot of crap. What are you doing? You need to get rid of all this stuff. Right. And uh, this book isn't just for people who want to move off grid. Like this is for be for anyone who just feels overwhelmed yep. by all yep. their stuff. I mean, so you mentioned the cult of clutter. Let's talk about like why we get all this stuff in the first place. And you say it's because there's this thing called the cult of clutter. What is that? How do you describe that? Yeah. Well, we better backtrack because it gets a little confusing without yet. I have off grid books and then I have the simple life series, which is written more for, you know, the everyday American who's not looking to necessarily go and live off grid. So they're kind of separated and decluttering your life's in the simple life series because it's general. You don't have to want to live off the grid to follow what I preach in there. And the cult of clutter, I came up with that phrase as I was writing it and kind of was like, you know, I went, what is going on? Because I'd realized I'd always grew up poor. I didn't have a whole lot of items. We talked about this before. My main items were my bike, my dog, my shotgun, and later my truck. 
my baseball, my, you know, my basketball, that was it. Those were my main items. And I think as time went on, I had, I'd accumulated a lot of stuff and it was because I had, I'd left that kind of, you know, shelter of being poor, simple living, went to city living in the government, had more money, you know, than anyone in my family had ever had. And I think it just, the society of our consumer society today was rubbed off on me and I kind of was buying in. I hadn't fully gone into the cult of clutter, but I was in it for sure. And for people to understand, it's, it's this mentality of we all feel that we need a lot of objects and shiny objects, as I say, to make ourselves happy, right? And, and it's the proof's in the pudding. Our economy is based upon consumerism in the U.S. 70% of our economy is consumerism. What does that mean? We have to keep buying these items and these things to keep the economy going the way it's kind of developed right now. And I argue with that. I think we could not do that and the economy would be just fine. It would just shift. It would shift to something else, which would be a production economy. So yeah, the cult of clutter is kind of falling into that. I must consume. I must spend my time on the internet, on the phone, shopping nonstop. And that's kind of where it came from. And besides like consumer goods, what else do we clutter our lives with? Oh gosh, all kinds of things. Right now, obviously the... The big one is information and technology. Those are two other ones that people are pretty immersed in. And hey, I'm no technophobe. I use technology to run my company, but I use very little technology compared to most people. But information right now is a big one, right? We're just inundated with information all the time. And a lot of it is not good for us. It's it's 24-7, the news cycle. When I was growing up, you had the five o'clock news and you had the 10 o'clock news. And depending what, you know, what station you're on, some were 30 minutes, some were an hour. That was it. That was the only news you were getting all day unless it was a major update, you know, John Kennedy getting assassinated or something like that. Or, you know, you would have a break in and they'd tell you something major happened on the network. Otherwise, that was it, you know, or you got the newspaper. Now, I mean, you can literally turn on the channel and get bombarded anytime, anywhere. And not only that, but the internet, I mean, social media, I mean, 70% of fake news is distributed on social media. It's nonstop. So the information side is continuous. And the relation to that obviously is technology because use the technology to get drowned with that information. And on the technological side, it's, you know, I always, I talk about this in the book about, do you need all these gadgets, you know, as an everyday person, I run my business on a laptop, Wi-Fi connection, and I have a smartphone. That's about it. And anything beyond that is clutter to me. And I, everyone I know, I have friends who, they don't run their own business. They've got a smartwatch. They've got a laptop. They've got an iPad or notebook. They've got a desktop. You know, they've, they've got, you know, just gadget, a smartphone. And it just goes on and on. And I'm all like, why do you need all that crap? You know, and not only that, but the technology, the way it clutters too, is you have to learn it. And then once you learn it, these tech companies aren't stupid. You're getting an update and a new version every nine to 12 months. So it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And what are the, the costs of you think of the cult of clutter, like financial, physical, emotional? Well, we see it today. Financial, it's huge, right? You know, most Americans are eyeballs up in debt. 
you know, and that's where they're losing most of their sleep. They struggle. They live paycheck to paycheck, month to month. And, and yeah, that, so the financial is huge. And I have a book called Financial Freedom, which is about living debt-free and how to live debt-free and how to get there. Because I think it's important. Gosh, I forgot. We probably should talk about the three-legged stool real quick of the simple life. Sure. The three-legged stool of the simple life is optimal health. Uh, health is everything. That's where I start with everything. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And, uh, and if you're unhealthy, you make really bad decisions. You have bad cognitive function. And then financial freedom by being debt-free, then finding your life purpose. So those all three are the core of what I teach. So yeah, the, the, the financial cost is huge because it, it keeps you on the treadmill of consumerism. If you keep consuming, you got to keep earning. And we don't have an earning problem in this country. We have a spending problem. The, you know, if you make $15 an hour, you make, you make, you make what? Uh, make sure I got my math right. It's $31,200 if I remember right. A year of working 40 hours. Most people don't work 40 hours anymore, you know, on, on salary. You know, we're working 50, 60, 70 hours. So that, that puts you in the richest 1% in the world at $15 an hour. We have plenty of money in this country. That's not the issue. We just spend all of it to include our glorious government and then some. We just spend like drunken sailors at port call all the time. <laughs> and so that's a huge part of it, but also the emotional and the emotional ties to the financial. Because if you're worried about money all the time, well, you're going to be stressed out. If you're stressed out all the time, your health's going to go, the chronic stress. And so it has this whole cataclysmic kind of effect of, of doing that. So yeah, there's a lot of cost to all of it. And we're seeing it. Yeah. And you know, the emotional cost of just having a bunch of it stresses you out. Like just having all that stuff and like having to take care of it is just manage it. Manage put it. Put it somewhere. Right. How many garages do you know that are jam-packed right now? I used to walk through my neighborhood before I sold my house in a residential area in San Diego. I would count how many people could actually fit a car in their garage. One car. There was like two or three in the entire neighborhood houses I found that they could actually get a car in their garage. <laughs> it was just jam full of crap. Right. That's why like, I think storage facilities are like kind of, they're a booming, booming business. Oh, they're booming right now. I have a friend who owns one and they say it is nonstop. They get so many calls every single day. We're not learning. We're not learning our lesson. We're just accumulating more crap and then we're moving it into storage units. And then you got to pay for the storage unit. And then you forget about it, right? Right, right? Put stuff in a storage unit for a year. I'm pretty sure you're not going to remember what's in there. Have you read a book? It came out, I think, like the late 90s, early 2000s. It's called Affluenza. Mm -mm. It's a good one. I mean, it's a little hippie, but it's just about overconsumption and like all the costs of overconsumption. And I remember reading that in high school and having a, a pretty big impact on me. It made me think about the way our, the way we live our lives, our economy, and just how we buy stuff. It made me rethink that and be a little more thoughtful about it. So yeah, affluence. I'll put that in the show show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to go check that out. I call myself a redneck hippie, Brett. So don't be. <laughs> I have my inner hippie that I'm connected you, to. You got to have an inner hippie. Um, Absolutely, it's a good balance. And. So then the other thing too is like, okay, we know, okay, people have this drive to buy stuff because our economy is set up that way. We have yeah. bombarded with advertisements and that's just the way we're wired from the womb. You see, you know, there's that statistic that kids like can recognize more brand logos than they can art or something. I don't know, it's something like that. Anyways, I think everyone who reaches that moment is like, man, I got too much stuff. I got to get rid of it, but it's hard. Like, why do you think it's so hard 
to get rid of our stuff? I would say the the main re- one of them is you you get this an emotional attachment to it, right? And I talk about this. What happens is you attach memories to your things, and once you do that, it makes it very difficult to get rid of it. And I know that firsthand. I, I talked. I don't know if we talked about it in the last interview, but I always talk about my dining room table I had in my house in San Diego that I had eaten at a handful of times, but I spent six months driving myself crazy finding the perfect table that was way too big, never used it hardly. And, but I had, when I went to get rid of it, I had an emotional attachment to it for some reason. And I remembered shopping for it, setting it up and how happy I was. I finally found the table that matched and worked. And cause I, I grew up poor. We, we ate off TV trays. We never had a dining room table. And so it was kind of a big deal. And we do that a lot. We, you know, you, if a girlfriend, boyfriend buys you something, you put an emotional attachment to it. You, it makes it very difficult to get rid of because instead of seeing an object, you're seeing a memory. So you have to disconnect. And I'll give a good example that I did recently was I shredded all of my government awards and documents and not in hate or just because I was angry. It was because it was taking up space and I got sick of moving that stuff around. <laughs> I did. I go, what do I need my pay stubs from, you know, 1998 for? You know, I had everything. I had kept all my records, which in the government you had to because they tended to lose a lot of things. And you better have a backup. And all the documents in these award letters and people are all, why would you get rid of that? I go, it, they don't mean anything. What am I going to do? Take them out and look at them? Am I, you know, when I die, are people going to be, you know, jumping over themselves to get Gary's government award letters? No, they're just, they're just things. And so I shredded all of them and got rid of all, you know, a whole banker's box full of documents. And it made me realize that I had emotional attachment to them, but they really didn't mean anything. They had no effect on my life anymore, except for moving them around. And I think that's what happens. You, you have to get past that connection of, and I always make fun of this, the, you know, the popular one, does it give you joy? You know, I always make fun. I go, well, my, my drill doesn't give me joy. My hammer doesn't give me joy, but I need them. They're important. You know, you, you want to discern things and categorize into usefulness. Do they give me usefulness? Can I use these things to better my life? That's the key. And I'm not saying get rid of all your emotional, you know, pictures and all that. I'm not saying that, but don't hoard them. That's the problem is we tend to hoard those things today. I don't know how many thousands of pictures on our people's phones today. It's a lot, you know? So now we're cluttering up our digital side as well. Well, building on that idea of, of emotion or memories being connected to stuff, I mean, that's how companies sell us stuff too these days. They don't really, they don't pitch you like the utility of it. It's like, Absolutely. oh, you think of all the memories that you can get with this thing. Like they, they wanted, they wanted you to be emotionally connected to the product and not look at its utility. Because a lot of times there's like really no difference in utility between, you know, X oatmeal and other oatmeal. It's just the branding message. Oatmeal. Yeah. It's about, about emotions. Yeah. And you know, who's really good at it. And this is an advertisement and it will slowly kill you for sure is Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is a master at, at branding and advertising. Camel was pretty good too, Camel cigarettes. You know, but they always, if you watch their commercials and I do it as a, as a business owner, I look at them and I see what they're doing and it's always this emotional attachment. You have a Coke and everyone in there is having this happy, joyous moment and they're attaching that to drinking Coke. 
that's a pretty heavy mental mind screw, you know, that's pretty deep right there, you know, but the, it's, it's mastery. And if you watch things in that way, you'll see how big companies make you get an emotional attachment to their product. You don't look at the usefulness. You just think it's going to make you happy. Oh, and guess what? It makes you buy it, even though you don't need it. No, yeah. But I, actually, I find like the commercials where they, they try to manipulate your emotions, that it turns me off. I actually like the commercials where they just oh, tell you, do. I just like the commercials that tell you what the product does. Like the one that I like a lot is that one, it's like an annoying commercial that would appear like at, you know, 12 o'clock in the morning. It was like some headache medicine you'd rub on your head. And it's mm-hmm. like, it would, just, it would just tell you what it is. Rub it on your head, rub it on your head, rub it on your head. And like, you see like the pain <laughs> go away. I'm like, yeah, I want that thing. You just rub it on your head and your headache goes away. Well, let's talk about decluttering different aspects of our life. Cause this is how you organize the book. And you, st- mm-hmm. you said you start off everything that you do with your simple life stuff with health. You think that's one of, that's an, one of those part of that three-legged stool. What does a cluttered health life look like? Well, we're seeing it. You know, unfortunately, we're the most obese and overweight we've ever been in this country. And by a, by a long shot, it's now estimated that 70% of Americans are obese or overweight. That's a shocking statistic. That's not going to work. We clutter our lives with health. And there's a reason. I have a, a famous saying I say all the time, there's no money in healthy people. And I used to work for the FDA. I used to work for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I saw it from the inside out. I was on uh, the cusp when the, the opiate epidemic broke out. I was there. I was investigating those as that broke out, the doctor feel goods and all that. I was there. So I see how the health industry perpetuates us to stay on this wheel. Because if we're not on the wheel, there's no money. Because healthy people don't bring in billions and billions of dollars. They don't. And so what we do is we clutter ourselves up with all these gizmos, gadgets, all this, you know, sweat wicking clothing. I go, you know, I wear a cotton t-shirt that I pay eight bucks for <laughs> that goes through an evolution in a life of five to 10 years before it turns into a rag and an oil rag at the end. You know, we don't need all this stuff. The human body's already built for everything we need it to do. We don't need all this fancy crap. What your body needs is good food and movement. That's what it needs. It is literally that simple. And so what we do is we buy all these, you know, 15 different, you know, bars and energy bar and a protein bar and this, and you know, how many people I've forgotten, how many people I open up their refrigerator and it's pretty much all condiments and packaged food. And that's it. <laughs> it's all this stuff. It's everything's packaged, you know, and, and you just keep accumulating food too. I, I've seen that happen to you going and literally you open a shelf and it's like just every food item you can known to man and half of it's never been touched. So we clutter ourselves up with all these food items. And, and when it comes to the human body, it's very simple what we need. And this isn't everyone. Don't worry. I'm not anti-vegan. I'm not anti-vegetarian. I don't, I'm not dogmatic about what I preach. I go, if it's working for you, don't, don't fix it. Not right. But here's the fact the human body is geared to eat very simple things. Animals, nuts, seeds in very low numbers. Also fruit, very low numbers because fruit is not every day in most of the world. And it was usually low glycemic and literally vegetation, you know, grains were not consumed all that much. That's more of a modern thing of agriculture from 10,000 years. Literally, that's what we ate. That's what our body is geared to consume. 
once we start getting into these pseudo products and these pseudo fats and, you know, highly processed carbohydrates, well, guess what we got? We got what we have today. And also we moved a lot. We, we moved every single day. There was no, you know, we had downtime, you know, but there was the human body is a working piece of machinery. You know, that, that, that shelter doesn't build itself. The firewood doesn't go get itself. That food doesn't just come to me in the grocery store. I had to go get all these things. I had to do these things daily. And so I think that's, if you put it in that context, it becomes less cluttered, right? Because that's, that people, when I tell them that, they go, that sounds way too simple. I go, it is, but it isn't easy. Doing that is hard. And so look at that. When you look at your, the human body and what you're supposed to consume and how you're supposed to move in those basic elements, you'll see how quickly your life is cluttered up with food, exercise gizmos, and just everything under the sun that you don't need to be healthy. Prescriptions, you know, multiple prescriptions. Uh, most of the, your health conditions today are caused by our poor diet and lack of exercise. Well, and going back to that idea of being cluttered, like the food aisles in grocery stores are a lot more cluttered than they were 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. And you give There's the example. 40,000 items right. in average grocery Right. And, and like, again, this is, is because we're a consumer driven economy, companies got to figure out like, well, one thing that spurs humans to do something is novelty. And so instead of selling more Cheerios, just like regular Cheerios, what do you do? Well, you come up with like 20 different types of Cheerios. Yep. And that's what we have. Like, there's like, like you talk about in the book, when we were growing up, there was Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios. Now you go to the cereal and there's like, I don't know, five different types of Cheerios now. At least. Talk about yeah. Doritos. I think yeah, worldwide, I, I think, I can't remember the math or what I had in there. I think there's over 100 different flavors of Doritos now worldwide. It's something ridiculous. And, and you just go, <laughs> it, 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 it fascinates me because as a rational person, don't get me wrong, I've been there too. I just go, how did we get here? This makes absolutely no sense to be happy and to be healthy. None. We don't need this crap, but that's the cult of clutter. It's in everything we do. It's in our health even, you know, it's in our food. It's in our, um, you know, our health system, you know, hospitals, you know, to get healthy, they go, well, Gary, you're going to have to take the statin drug. You're going to have to take this hypertension drug. Oh, and you know, it, and then they go, oh, and as a last, maybe you should get some more exercise when they should be going, okay, Gary. You need to get more exercise first, and you need to start eating a little more fruits and vegetables and a good healthy protein source. Instead, it's how can I get you on a product, which is a pharmaceutical drug? I worked in it. It's sad. I'm not against pharmaceutical drugs. I'm not against immunizations. I'm not that guy. But we consume these items as a fix-it to instead of actually fixing the problem, the root cause of the problem, we're just putting band-aids on everything. Right. And I think it, they do that because like lifestyle change, it's simple, but it's often not easy to do because you're trying to go, you're, you're trying to change like habits that might, you've had it for years. And so doctor, well, that's tough. They'll recommend you do that. But like in the meantime, like you said, here's a, a band-aid we could put on, but that's just kind of kicking the can down the, the road a bit. Well, and usually the pharmaceutical drug you take to, to put the band-aid on 
has a whole host of side effects that you got to take another prescription drug to counteract the side effects of the first prescription drug. And it turns into this kind of slippery slope. And, you know, on average, the average Americans on three to five prescription drugs, especially after age 60. So we're, we're definitely a pharmaceutical lifestyle. And again, it's chasing the shiny object, right? Instead of doing the thing that makes sense that you should be doing, we're watching commercials. Wait, that drug says, and this is another thing. It's only New Zealand and America where pharmaceutical companies can advertise. It used to be only America. We're the only countries that allow it. And there's a good reason for it because the countries realized it creates this desire, this false desire through slick marketing for you watch that commercial of, hey, they look really happy. All I need is that pill. If I take that pill, I'm going to be just like those people in the commercial. So decluttering your health life is basically... Simplify your diet. You don't need yep. a bunch of processed food. Simplify your exercise. It's, you know, if it's just walking, hiking, do that. Move. And uh, you don't need a lot of stuff to, to do that stuff. We're going to take a quick break for your word from our sponsors. And now back to the show. Let's talk about decluttering your financial life. So mm-hmm. what does a cluttered financial life look like? I imagine that's a lot of consumer debt. Well, it's a lot of consumer debt. And I use the example I, I, in the book, Financial Freedom, I run us from childhood to older adults in retirement. So I walk through the system of how we become perpetually in debt. And the system is built that way. And I I go, you know, financial institutions don't have, you know, these buildings, these high rise, massive buildings on every corner because they're into making sure we're all financially free. Those buildings are built with our money. So obviously it's in their best interest to keep us on the cycle of debt. And think of it this way, you know, perpetual debt, it starts very early on, even earlier now. I remember when I first went to college you know, the first day as a freshman, there were credit card tables for credit card bank company, uh, financial institutions and credit card companies all over campus. And they gave us $500 instant credit, just fill out the application. Woof, boy, you know, now you can get them as a, as a teenager. I mean, your parents, I know people give their 16 year old a credit card. I'm like, That's insane. You know, how about you learn to, you know, earn your money and keep your money. Don't go into debt. And what happens is it slowly piles on itself, right? So you get that first credit card. We're dumb. We're teenagers. Of course, we're going to charge stuff we don't need. (laughs) They know that. And so then it starts, we're told, now you need to get a car. I bought my first car cash. It was 1500 bucks. You know, I bought it 15 and a half. I'd been working since I was 13. So I paid cash for it. But now we're told, not only don't buy a car that you need, buy the fanciest car and finance it, right? Because again, the commercials make everyone look happy. So it's getting out of that mindset of, oh, I can afford it if I can finance it. And then you go college. Now we're, we're increasing, you know, student loan debt is out of control. Matter of fact, it's, it's the next bubble coming. And then, you know, they go, well, go get a house. Well, now your house, you don't buy a house that fits what you need. You buy the biggest house you can possibly afford because they tell you you can afford it. By the time you line all that debt up, by the time usually right around 25, 26, you're almost in so much debt that you can't get out of it. You're in the system now. The system has you. And not only have you accumulated all that debt that you may not be able to pay off, you can, but it's going to take some sacrifice, that you keep adding more and more debt. So now you got the one car. Well, now you're married, 
having kids, you got to get the next car. You know, then the house isn't big enough. So now you go upgrade house, you go further in debt. And I also proved in the financial freedom book that I did it math. It was all simple math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. I proved because I was in real estate and I still am. I still do it as uh, as a side business that the average American will lose money in their house. And I got a bunch of pushback on that in the very beginning. And I go, go read the book. I go, go do the, the math's done in it. And I learned it from selling a house that I made a profit on. And I went back and I said, man, I don't think I made a profit on that house. So I went back and did all the math and I'd lost, I don't know, 20 grand, $25,000, even though it showed I made like 35,000 because it's, it's shown, you know, you, you, they tell you that. So you, you think you're making money, but even if you do really well, like the market right now, unless you bought 12 months ago and you're going to flip that house really quick and it's hot, sure. You'll make money, but most people live in a house six to seven years and then move on and get another one. You literally will be, if you did that your whole life, you will burn over a million dollars doing that process. Uh, You know, it's, you know, the financial side, it's just, it's part of the cult of clutter because we keep buying these items that we can't afford. Then we finance them and then it keeps piling and piling and piling until, well, not only you overwhelmed with the things you've bought, they have financially overwhelmed you as well. So, all right. And so I guess the simple thing of that is just keep it, keep your finances simple, uh, pay cash, pay cash when you can and avoid debt. And like, if you have debt, the way you declare is to start Pay it off. Paying that down. Yeah, paying it off. One by and you one. Lay it, right. Yeah. And there's different, like everyone's got their their way of, you know, the best way to pay down your debt. Your advice is like, find what works for you, keep it simple and just take action and do it. And that's, isn't that the biggest problem? Uh, and I always tell people, we're also a country of pontification and yelling. I'm all, stop. Stop yelling. Stop blaming everyone else. Just do it. Action. Action pays the bills. Action is life. You know, if you're not doing something positively every day to better yourself, it's going to get ugly. And we're kind of seeing that, you know, we're seeing a lot of people today who've lost their way. I've been there. And that's what I mean. I'm not pointing fingers and saying I'm the, you know, supreme being. I'm this life clairvoyant of perfection. I am not, you know, I struggle every day, just like everyone else too. But one thing I don't do is I don't give up. I always, every day I have something set to better myself, to better my life. And if you keep that attitude, you know, the first couple of years are rough. (laughs) You know, we've all done it. You know, you get stacked up in debt. Um, You haven't, you know, you've lost your purpose. You don't know what you're doing in life. You're kind of floundering and you go, it's kind of hopeless. So what happens is people give up and they don't do anything positively. And you end up in this vicious whip cycle you know, and I think that's what ends up getting us in the cult of clutter too, is we're buying items to kind of fulfill us. We think it's going to fulfill us. It makes us happy for a short period of time. And once that happiness runs out, we go get the next item. It's, it's just in our wiring. It's a dopamine hit. It is truly a chemical hit. And again, the companies know this, they know if they influence us the right way, that will do it. So another area that you talk about our lives being decluttered. And I think, I think people don't really think of this as this could be cluttered is mm-hmm. your social life. So, oh, yeah. so what does a cluttered social life look like? And how do you get a handle on that without being a misanthrope? 
Yeah, yeah. And I blame social media for that today. (laughs) I grew up, I still have the same friends that I grew up with as a young child. Some of us were babysat together. That's how far back it goes. And my, I've always kept my social circle very small. And what I notice is it definitely decreases drama for sure. But with social media, now you can literally communicate and it's not all bad. Yeah. I mean, you can find people you never would have met otherwise, but what happens is you kind of get on this slippery slope of thinking, well, I've got to have Jeff has thousand friends. I need 2000 friends. I need more than Jeff. And it becomes overwhelming because the human, a human can only really manage about 10 close relationships. After that, it starts to become unmanageable because it's just too much of your time trying to manage these relationships, right? Real relationships, not, not surfaced. I mean, these are connections. These are people that you would give your shirt off your back to help them. You would do anything for them. You talk to them on a regular basis. And I think with that, we get cluttered by surrounding ourselves with too many people. We get in too many clicks. We start, you know, accumulating, I wouldn't say friendships, but associations. And again, we can't manage them. And then not only that, but you start to bring in all this drama because, you know, humans, we, I don't know what it is. We love drama. We love it. And we love, you know, imparting it on other humans. So with that, I always tell people, keep your social, your close social groups very small, you know, and it doesn't mean you can't have multiple, like, like I have people I ride my bikes with, you know, that's a group, but they're not, not, they're not super close. They're people I ride bikes with. My super close friends are people I talk to on a regular basis, right? I can tell them my deep feelings. You know, I can, I can share things that I wouldn't share with other people. If that makes sense, no, you know, makes- keep, keep your group small. Don't, there's a point where you have enough friends and I'm not saying you, you hide yourself or anything like that, but most people actively search out relationships that they don't need. Well, another area too, I think it's kind of related because you mentioned social media, is having a cluttered information life. And I think, I think everyone understands, kind of has felt that, that having so much information at their disposal is just making them miserable. And what is it? I mean, so what, what, what have you done to declutter your information life? You know, I get it in low dose, especially the news. The news can be brutal. And also I just... Everything that I do, as far as reading information, I try and make it educational, right? So it's something I can learn from instead of just sitting there absorbing information that I do not need. You know, getting caught into these information vortexes, YouTube. <laughs> it, it, I'll, I'll tell people to run two experiments. I don't have a TikTok account. I don't use YouTube. I, I don't, my channel's kind of dead, has been for years. But go to YouTube on a incognito browser and see what comes up. It is ugly. It makes me lose all faith in in humans. I mean, it's the most ridiculously stupid, mind-wasting crap known to man. And someone had a TikTok link that I didn't, I, I didn't realize it was a TikTok link. I don't have a TikTok account. And so it kicked me to the homepage and said, hey, you need to sign up and have an account and I'm all, no, not really. And I saw what was trending. Wow. Wow. Stay away from that stuff. You know, if it's not something that will better your life and you can learn from it to improve yourself, you got to be careful with it. 
don't go down those rabbit holes of, of useless videos and things like that. You know, I'm not saying, you know, never do it, but you have to be really, really careful with that information because it will derail you. It will get you completely off track before you know it, especially the news cycle. My news cycle is I, I put it on in the morning and it's a business channel and I hear it in the background. I don't sit down and actively watch it. I get enough information. I have, I have podcasts too that I'll listen to that aren't just straight news just to keep me up to date. That's all I need. I just need to know what's going on. I don't need 24-7 of, you know, Democrats evil, Republicans are evil. I don't need that crap. I don't need it. It doesn't help my life. It does not make my life better. So I think be very careful with the information you get in and just make sure it's useful. It's something that you can, that you can utilize is the easiest way to put it. Like I watch TV. I have a TV, you know, I watch discovery history, you know, net, net geo, net geo. Those are my main channels. And I like sports, but I watch very little sports now compared to what I used to as a young guy. I would watch the NCAA tournament when I was in college, start to finish. I'd watch dang near every game, every televised game that was on. I'd sit myself in front of that TV and I would watch it all day long. I'd take days off from work for it. I don't do that anymore. All right. So just be thoughtful about the stuff you consume. Like just find the stuff that actually provides you value in your life. And it, there's some things we've written about this on the site. We'll link to it. You know, ways you can do audits of your information consumption. You can set them, yeah. you know, apps. This is where you can use technology to help you um, see where you're spending most of your time at. And you can be like, well, do I really need to spend that much time there? And actually to Apple's credit, they've actually got, you know, things on their phone now where you can see how you're spending your time. Yep. And then yeah, you get your, your weekly, what is it? The weekly yeah, screen time. Screen yeah. Time. Yeah. And then yeah. you can you know go into the settings and say, Oh, I don't want, I only want 30 minutes of this app or whatever, this website. So take advantage of that. So we've been talking about decluttering kind of, kind of abstract things, health, finances, social circles, information. Let's talk about decluttering actual stuff. And I, we talked, we kind of hit on a little bit, but it's basically, just ask yourself, look at something. Do I use this? this thing, does this thing provide value? It's not, does it spark joy? Because again, we're trying to disconnect that emotional connection to our stuff. But uh, just, does this useful? Yes, then keep it. If not, get rid of it. Yeah. And I, I, when, and also buying things, you know, I look at it, there's a couple different ways. But the first thing you should ask yourself when you're going to get a new item is, number one, do I need it? Ask yourself, do I need this? Then go down and go, can I afford it? Those are your first two questions. Then the third one is, can I live without it? That's when you're going to purchase. It's very similar to when you're looking at things that you have. Have I used it in the last year? Does this thing have a purpose? Do I need this? Will, it, will I utilize this thing I have? Or is it just sitting here collecting dust? If not, get rid of it and don't you know, sit there and think about it. And it's yes or no answers. I tell people there's no, well, kinda, there's not that it's either yes or no. Cause otherwise, trust me, I've done, it. I go, well, I haven't used that recently, but you get in, once you go, but you're screwed. It's either yes, no. And I, you look at the item and you go, okay. And the, one of the easiest ways, this has amazed me. And I know other people have done this too. I have put items out on the curb or out on the corner and they're gone. I've had items gone in 15 minutes. <laughs> I put free and someone drives by and they load it in their truck to clutter up their garage. And I'm amazed 
how quickly you can get rid of stuff once you put your mind to it. And I talk about how I sold all the items in my house almost in 48 hours on Craigslist. I just fire sale. I went, I don't need this crap. Threw it out in the garage, staged everything and sold it. Just said, no reasonable offer will be refused. Take it. And I always tell people start in the garage because that's ground zero of, of junk collecting is the garage. I go, go in your garage and start there. And it's going to be overwhelming. Guarantee it. I've been there. And you look at all the crap in there. And the first thing you do is like, I may need that. <laughs> and the odds are you won't. The only, the only kind of exclusion I make in that is tools. Cause I'm a tool guy. You know, I got a lot of tools, you know, tools you don't use every day, but you know, I inherited tools from my grandfather that I still have. And I don't use them all the time, but I did they will get used and tools are expensive and they're hard to replace. And you can gift those, those you can give away, you know, later in life. Those are kind of a, a, a tricky one, but I also get rid of tools. If I buy a tool, like I had a uh, hardwood floor nail gun. I used it once. I didn't need it again. So it sat in my shed for a couple months and eventually I went, I'm not going to use that again. <laughs> I'm just not. If I do, I'll go rent one. You know, this was a big project. It was cheaper just to buy one. I'll go rent one next time. And, and I got rid of it. But yeah, I, I think if you start in your garage and you just take a good look around, collect a pile. And the golden rule I always use is, have you used it in a year? You know, if you haven't used it in a year, there's a good chance you, you probably don't need it. Clear it out. And then go room to room to room. Do it stage by stage. And once you do it once, you're not done. So I do it every six months. I'll go through drawers. I go through rooms and I go look around. It, it doesn't end. I, hey, I accumulate crap too. Still, I'm, get, I'm a lot better at it. My decluttering sessions are fairly quick now. But if you can follow, just keep a system and it doesn't have to be neurotic. Just clear everything out. You don't need the first run. Six months later, go back and there'll be items that you thought you needed and you'll go, I don't need that. I haven't used it. It's, and it's this process that never ends. I, I tell people, yeah, you have to keep doing it. We're just, we're, we're item collectors. It's goofy. <laughs> I don't know what it is about us humans, but we collect things. And, and, not, and I would say subconsciously at times. We don't even know we're doing it. No, I like the idea of decluttering your garage first because in my experience, that's where stuff like you don't really need anyways, like ends up. So it's just like, well... It, you've already put it there and it's kind of on its way out. Just get rid of it. It's the boneyard. Yeah, it it's is. It's the boneyard of useless stuff. Yeah. And then another thing too, like uh, it's sort of like avoiding clutter. So another heuristic that I've been using too when I, before I buy something, it's like, okay, do I need it? Can I afford it? But also it's like, do I want the maintenance cost of this? That's something like I, so we had a podcast where we talked to this guy who's like, his whole thing is maintenance. You can change to a maintenance mindset. That, that, really can change how you think about buying. Like you think, oh, I want this car, but you don't think about, I'm going to have to buy tires for it. I'm going to have to like do this 20, you know, 10 years now, five years. Do I want to do that? Maybe not. And you don't get the thing. So I think that's another, like think about, the, are you willing to pay the maintenance price for this thing as well? Well, and that's like technology, right? That's why exactly is technology is, again, I'm not a lot of, but all this technology, when you buy this useless time, like I said, you got to waste time learning it, updating it. And then once you learn it, usually the new version's out. That's what I mean. It starts turning into this vicious cycle. 
And, you know, I have my issues with Apple, but what I like about Apple is, you know, I've used their technology for a very long time. Now, I like that I can get a long time out of my laptops. They're solid built. They don't drown me with updates and they work. I, I told the story of, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm none too fond of Microsoft and Bill Gates. I won't get into that, but I took my PC out after my 15th million blue screen of death because it was wasting my time. I just was so frustrated with it at this point and reloading windows 18 times. I took it out in my front yard and took a sledgehammer to it. And I use it as an example. Hey, I, people use Microsoft. Hey, whatever. It's your choice. But for me, it was this kind of cleansing effect of I went, this thing is eating all my time. I spend more time maintaining this, this piece of technology than I use it. And it's that kind of example. You know, I have a big truck that is part of my lifestyle. I have to have that truck. It's, it's a tool. And I'll tell you what, though. It's a one-ton diesel. They're a pain in the butt to maintain. And it's expensive. But I suck it up because the benefit of having that truck is I can do everything I need to do. Trust me, there's days when I don't want to deal with it. You know, an oil change on that truck's 140 bucks, 150 bucks. So <laughs> trust me, I know. And it, but the thing is, if you buy that truck and you don't need it, I couldn't imagine. And I see this in the city all the time, like Southern California, these guys own my truck and they've never gone off road with it. You know, it's all jacked up. It's an $80,000 truck. And I think of all the maintenance and all they do is drive it on the five. 405. I'm like, oh man, do you need that when a, you know, a, a, a little car would do just fine? So yeah, you have to think of those things. But again, it's us chasing that shiny object, right? I've done it. You know, that we, we think we need that truck because it's cool. I'm going to be cool if I got that truck. And you, you don't see all the money that's going to be wasted in not only purchasing, but maintaining that truck. So yeah, that's a really good example. And so we've been talking about okay, how to declutter, but we're not just doing this just for decluttering's sake. I mean, you make this case, once you do this, like you can do the things, like you can fill your life with the things that really bring you joy and really bring you value. So it could be hobbies, good friends, whatever that just really, once you, that you get all that stuff out of your life, you have more room for that stuff. Well, and I talked about that. One of the, the things that caught me off guard is... Once I did all this, and I did it fairly quickly, I went, I went head first. And once it was done and I'd settled into my little place that I'd rented and gotten rid of everything, I remember sitting at my little computer desk and I went, what am I going to do? I had all this free time. I didn't have all this debt. I cut my expenses down by two-thirds. And it was a little overwhelming. And it shocked me that I got, I actually was overwhelmed with freedom. And looking back, I'm saddened by that, that I was, that freedom overwhelmed me. What? You know what I mean? How far down, down the hole had I gone to where living a life of freedom was overwhelming? That told me we, we were definitely on the wrong road. I went, you should not feel this way of living a free life. You should be joyous. You should be happy. And instead I had a, a good decent chunk of overwhelming time trying to figure out what do I do? What do I do with this free time now? How do I make this, turn this time into something positive? 
And I try and write about it and share everything in my podcast and everything I do of my journey. The good, bad, the ugly, all my mistakes, I let her all fly. You, you get to see it all for the most part. And it's because I'm on this journey. I'm trying to figure this stuff out myself. And yeah, once you declutter, you're going to have to realize you got to fill that time. You better figure out something positive to stick in there, or you're going to be right back where you started, just in a different place. Well, Gary, where can people go to learn more about the book and the rest of your work? My website's the, the main place to go. I sell all my books there. Everything I sell, my podcast, everything's on there. It's the Simple Life Now, N-O-W.com. Don't go to the Simple Life. You'll go to Paris Hilton and uh, I think uh, uh, Nicole Ritchie's website. I think it's defunct now. But go to the simplelifenow.com. My, my podcast is another great place. Just renamed it, rebranded it. It's now The Simple Life with Gary Collins. So very easy to find. Go there and you'll, you'll find all the things I do and all my books and all my information and all that good stuff. Fantastic. Well, Gary Collins, thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Brett, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. My guest today was Gary Collins. He's the author of the book, The Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life. It's available on his website, thesimplelifenow.com. Also check out our show notes at aom.is slash simplelife. You can find links to resources and we delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the AOM Podcast. Check out our website at artofmanliness.com where you find our podcast archives as well as thousands of articles we've written over the years. And if you'd like to enjoy ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast, you can do so on Stitcher Premium. Head over to stitcherpremium.com, sign up, use code MANLINESS at checkout for a free month trial. Once you're signed up, download the Stitcher app on Android or iOS and you can start enjoying ad-free episodes of the AOM Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member who you think we get something out of it. As always, thank you for the continued support. Until next time, it's Brett McKay. Remind you on the list of the podcast, but put what you've heard into action. Mm-hmm.